welcome everyone to Beargrass Christian Church for our 11 o'clock worship service. Glad you are here today, especially uh, mindful that um, uh, there are those in our community who continue not to have electricity and, and power at home. Um, so whatever uh, challenges you surmounted to be here, we're grateful uh, that you are gathered with us. Uh, curious, how, how many of you all are still without power now this morning? Most of you all. Okay, a couple of you. Well, if you need a place to come hang out, know that the church is open for warmth and safety and, and electricity, recharge phones. Uh, so feel free to stop by Beargrass at any point. Hopefully the power comes back very soon. Maybe even during worship today. We'll see. No promises. But, um, but again, grateful that, that you are here and, and we are so mindful uh, not to take for granted uh, the warmth, the energy of this place. Um, and grateful that you're part of it this morning. And uh, today we continue our Lenten journey, uh, the six weeks leading up to Easter Sunday. Uh, if you'll take a look at the back of your bulletin, you'll see uh, lots of activities coming up during Holy Week uh, in just about a month from now. Um, so uh, you'll get more information about that in our e-news and newsletters uh, in the weeks ahead. Uh, but for now, I encourage you to mark your calendar and hope you can join us uh, for our special Holy Week activities coming up. And if everybody would take a minute to uh, tear off that little side flap of your bulletin, uh, the connection card, uh, not only to let us know that you're here today, but how we can pray with and support you. Um, and uh, also, if you want any of our uh, information on any of our ministries or programs, just check one of those boxes and we'll be glad to reach out to you this week. Uh, and if you're new to Beargrass, uh, especially grateful that you're here uh, joining us this morning and encourage you to stop by our Welcome Center following worship where we have a, a gift bag for you. Uh, and we'd be glad to share that and get to know you after worship this morning. And then, uh, last but not least, as we go through this Lenten season together, uh, you'll see our creative worship team uh, continues to find uh, symbols for our scripture up here. Uh, but we also want to invite you all as a community to join us uh, to decorate our sanctuary. Um, and so, uh, if you'll notice on the back ledges here, on either side of our wonderful choir, you'll see a, co a collection of plates and cups. Uh, and throughout Lent, we invite you to bring uh, a plate or cup from home, uh, whether it's your, your everyday uh, plate and cup, or if there's one that might have special meaning or value to you, um, you can bring those and just uh, bring them up front at any point during worship as we're building uh, the, the collection of, uh, for Monday Thursday. So you'll hear more about why we're doing that uh, later, but uh, for now you can bring those, and uh, I was told to remind you, you will actually get them back. We're not going to take them from you. So um, know that they will be yours at the end of Lent as well. Um, so uh, if, I believe that's all the announcements we have as we uh, stand and, and sing this morning. Also uh, invite any children to, to follow the blue sign for our children's worship service. Uh, but for the rest of us, I invite you to rise our body or spirit as you are able as we stand and sing together.
invite you to be seated as we come to the time in our service where we uh, celebrate our joys and concerns and lift them all in prayer would remind you of the connection card and that is an opportunity on the back of that to share celebrations or concerns with with us make sure you mark that whether that's shareable broadly or just with the ministers we will know better how to pray for and care for you and your family would you join me in a word of prayer Gracious and loving God, we are so overwhelmed Uh, this morning. We are more keenly aware, perhaps, than ever of many of the things that we often take for granted. Things like electricity and shelter and and safety um, and comfort. We're grateful, God, that that we have made it through the storm. We lift those who are still struggling or who have suffered significant loss. God, we're also mindful that as we count our blessings, we know that there are many in our community and in the world for whom the loss of these things is a regular part of their daily life. And so as we are made uncomfortable briefly, May we be mindful of those who live a pretty uncomfortable life every day. For whatever reason, oh God, they they lack the basic things needed to feel and experience your shalom, the wholeness and completeness, the peace that is your design for this world. So forgive us, God, for forgetting. Forgive us for not seeing especially forgive us for ways in which perhaps we participate in systems and structures that prevent all of your children from experiencing your peace. Thank you, O God, for the guidance to live in such a way as to help make your love known in tangible ways. And so lead us. Use this Lenten season to reshape our hearts and our lives in ways that make us a light in the dark. That when people see us and hear us, they experience you and your love and your wholeness and your peace. God, we lift to you this morning our community and the surrounding area. We give thanks for power line workers and emergency responders and others who seek to restore uh, a sense of normal life and so bless them keep them safe give them endurance and focus God and in all ways may we as individuals and us as a church uh, be an ever more accurate reflection of your love in this world as we seek to give to our neighbors in need would you magnify those blessings as we seek to open our minds and our homes and even this church house, would you draw to us the people who, who need it the most? God, we give you thanks for the opportunity to practice your peace. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you hear us just now as we lift the prayer together that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. scripture reading this morning comes from the gospel of Luke chapter 19 verses 37 through 42 and it reads as Jesus was now departing sorry as Jesus was now approaching down the path from the Mount of Olives the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power they had seen saying Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Now some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. And he answered you, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. And he came near and he saw the city He wept over it, saying, If you, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In the choir anthem this morning called, If You Love Me, you will hear about a very interesting relationship between God's love, living a godly life, and peace that that brings. We just heard part of the scripture that Jesus wept because the city didn't understand the love that he had for them and consequently couldn't have, have the peace. It's a very strong relationship. Jesus says, if you love me, 
keep my commands and I will not leave you without peace. I will not leave you without love. So as we celebrate or mark, if you will, the Lenten season, as we continue moving into Holy Week, moving into Easter, we can be really thankful that God is not leaving us in Jesus Christ. He is giving us his love, as he proved, and he's giving us his peace. As you hear the, the Beargrass Choir sing this anthem, let us be encouraged of this love that brings such incredible peace as we live godly lives before God.
thank you, choir, for that lovely anthem. Uh, will you pray with me? Oh, oh God, may the words of my mouth and may the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight. For you, O oh God, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This past Monday evening, I had uh, a meeting here at the church, and as sometimes happens, uh, church meetings uh, can go a little bit late into the night on occasion, and so I didn't get home in time uh, to put the kids to bed, uh, but the next morning, I woke Bailey and Will up, and Bailey immediately wanted to know, Dad, where were you last night? I told her I had a church meeting. She wanted to know, who were you meeting with that late? And I thought for a second about how do I articulate the bureaucratic nuances that, that our bylaws have the official governing board, but then the executive committee is called the ministerial leadership team, and that was the group that we were meeting. And I was thinking, how do I explain this to an almost five-year-old? And so I just said, it's like the group of people who are kind of in charge of the church and they make all the rules. And she said, well, Dad, I already know who's in charge of the church and who makes all the rules. I wasn't quite sure if she was talking about me or if she was going to have this, like, profound theological thought, you know, the big picture. Who's really in charge of the church? And so I said, Bailey, well, you tell me. Who's in charge of church then? And she said, oh, duh, Mr. Stephen. <laughs> said, well, okay, sure. Uh, actually, do you think maybe we should say God is in charge of the church? And Bailey said, God? But God died already. <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, but God's still alive. It's just we, we can't see God all the time, but God's still alive. And Bailey said, oh, well, if God's still alive, then we probably should listen to him, I guess. <laughs> I was just reminded, one of the profound, wonderful, beautiful things about uh, being around little kids is the way they can just remind us of the simple truths, those things that seem so obvious, but that we just forget once in a while. How often do we treat God as if God had already died? Substituting our own ideas, our own thoughts, our own opinions when we make decisions, whether for the church and a meeting or in our own lives. But really, I suppose it's our job not to argue for our own opinions, as much as to remind one another in this season of Lent that we don't just follow uh, the crucified Christ, that our loyalty is to the resurrected Christ, uh, the one in this season of new life who is with us even still. It's our job to discern what is it 
that it means to follow Christ. Not my will, but thine, O Lord. Jesus is risen. And it's just a little too easy to forget sometimes that the God that Jesus points us to is alive and well and is, in fact, the one who's really in charge around here. So if God is indeed alive, then perhaps, yes, we ought to listen to God, I suppose. And this morning, we arrive at a story that tests our ability to listen so carefully. Last week, we began this Lenten journey, the longest week, looking at what happens between Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. A third of all the gospel narratives fit in that one week. Last week, we looked at the story of Jesus being anointed, that jar being broken wide open. And this week, in Luke's gospel, we see what happens next after Palm Sunday. Now, Luke tells a slightly different version of the story than we heard last week, as Luke is often prone to do. In Luke's version of the story, we see a theme that's really been around since the first chapter of Luke's gospel. If you back up a little bit before we get to this Palm Sunday story, if you remember back to Christmas time, the angels arrive on sight. Tell the shepherds to go to Bethlehem to see the thing that's taken place. Do you remember what the angels proclaim? Glory to God in the highest heaven. Peace on earth to those whom God favors. Peace on earth. It's a theme that continues throughout all the Gospels in the Sermon on the Mount. We talked a few weeks ago about how Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Peace is there at the beginning. Peace is there in the middle. And now we've arrived at the end of Jesus' journey, or at least the beginning of the end. And that great theme of peace on earth continues through. And so now we zoom in just after Palm Sunday, what happens next, and we see in this particular part of the story, there's this great drama that happens around Palm Sunday. Crowds appear. The other Gospels tell us that they shout, Hosanna, save us. But in what we just heard a minute ago, that's not what the crowds say. Luke tells us a little bit different version of the story. They don't, uh, the crowds don't shout Hosanna, but instead they say this. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And then they offer those familiar words. Peace. Peace in heaven. Glory in the highest heaven. On the face of things... It seems like this crowd gets it. You were paying close attention, good job. Peace in the beginning, peace in the middle, and now you're proclaiming peace in the end. You've been listening. You did great, crowd. You get an A, and you get an A, and you get an A. Everybody understands what Jesus' ministry is about. Peace. 
But as the crowds react to Jesus coming into Jerusalem, according to Luke's gospel, Jesus looks at these crowds shouting messages of peace, and instead of joining them on, Jesus stares out over the whole city and weeps. Moved to tears of sadness for what they're proclaiming. It might seem strange to those people. All this energy, this excitement, this momentum that's happening in Jerusalem, and all of a sudden there's this about face. Jesus stares at the crowd and steps back from it, weeping. It'd be as if you were watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and just as Santa Claus is about to come down in front of Macy's, they stop the parade because Santa is off in the corner crying. It's unnatural. It doesn't make sense. Why is Jesus weeping when all the people are rejoicing and shouting for peace? I guess the obvious official Sunday school answer must be, well, Jesus knows he's about to be killed. He's upset about it. He's sad. Sure. But I I think that's kind of the surface level. I think there is something happening a bit deeper beyond the obvious. Because we can't really know what Jesus is thinking... The scripture doesn't tell us. But if we don't know what Jesus is thinking, we do know what Jesus is saying. We get the exact words. As Jesus is weeping, the scripture tells us what Jesus says. As Jesus is weeping on that Palm Sunday long ago, listen to the words that he speaks through the tears. If you, even you, if you had known the things that make for peace, but they are now hidden from your eyes. Maybe it's not so random. When you look at those two verses, they're linked. Both of them are talking about peace. The crowd is crying out, cheering on peace. And Jesus says, but wait. I hear you talk about peace, but you don't understand peace. You're saying the words out loud, but you don't know what you're asking for. And as Jesus hears these people shouting out for for peace in heaven, it sounds very much like what Jesus has been talking about. It sounds very much like what the angels have proclaimed on the hillside back to the Christmas story. But it's not. Remember what the angels say when they arrive? The angels come and they proclaim peace on earth. They say glory to God in the highest heaven, uh, but we have come to proclaim peace on earth. When Jesus talks about blessed are the peacemakers, the ones who bring peace on 
earth. And now at the end of the ministry, the crowds are here and they're shouting out, not for peace on earth, but for what? Peace in heaven. For peace that's out there, that's peace beyond the stars. A peace that we can talk about, but peace that we can't experience. Peace that is out there, but that doesn't make a difference in here. It's not the same thing. After all the miracles and all the teachings and all the compassion, after showing what peace is possible right here on this earth, after praying for that peace and working for that peace, Jesus arrives here in his final week and hears the crowds still shouting out that peace is some concept beyond our reach. They don't get it. Uh, They misunderstand that, that peace is not some abstract concept. A peace is something real. Peace is something we can know that that can shape who we are, that can shape our our church, that can shape our communities, that can shape our world if they had only known the things that make for peace. But they misunderstood peace. And you don't have to have been around in Jesus' time to misunderstand peace. Of course, we do it in our own time, even now. Even beyond our own universe. If you're a fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's one of the great recurring themes through their 437 movies. People don't understand peace. They talk about peace. But they don't know what it means to bring peace. Even in the first Avengers movie there's the character Loki. The god of mischief. And he comes all jolly and jovial. He even says, I come in glad tidings, as if he's Santa Claus. But he says, freedom is life's great lie. If you accept that, then in your heart you will know peace. He's speaking peace, but he misunderstands it. One of the good guys says, yeah, you say peace there, but it really sounds like you might mean the other thing. We can misunderstand peace all the time. Just because you speak the word doesn't mean you know what it is. No wonder Jesus responds to this crowd. If only you knew. If only you knew the things that make for peace. I bet if the Palm Sunday crowds, instead of shouting about peace in heaven, if they had instead said, look, here comes Jesus, let's work alongside him to bring about peace on earth, it might not have been as catchy of a rallying cry. But if they had understood that they had a part to play in bringing peace on earth, if they had cheered that out, then I bet Jesus would not have been weeping. And more than that, 
if they had understood the things that made for peace, if they had been cheering to work for peace and do their part for peace, and not only would Jesus not have been weeping, I bet Jesus would not have been killed. If you had only known. The truth is, it's a lot easier to talk about what happens to Jesus at the end of the week. It's a lot easier to say out loud, Jesus died for my sins, than it is to recognize that Jesus died because of our sinfulness, not, not individually, but as a community. That their people were not ready for peace. It's hard work to know peace. It's hard work to build those things that make for peace. And so even now we misunderstand that somehow if we want peace, then we must be strong. Somewhere I read that God's power is made perfect in weakness. Not our own strength, not our own will, but thine, O Lord. Praying for peace. Even peace in heaven. It's no substitute for working for peace. Right here on this earth. Working for the very thing that Jesus gave his life to make possible. In these days when people around us literally are without power. It's easy to mistake our power as a light switch that we can just turn on. That kind of power, it'll come back. But there is a greater power more than the electricity that runs our hair dryers and our light switches, there is a greater power that we have every single day to make this kingdom right here closer as it already is in heaven. We have the collective power to be people of peace, peace in our heart, peace in our church, people, peace in our communities around us. In this Lenten season, this is our chance to listen. To listen for those things that make for peace. To listen not for our will, but for God's will. And so for these next weeks, may we remind one another, may we remember... That God is alive. And that if God is alive, maybe we ought to listen a little more. Amen.
You ever think maybe we'd have been better off if everybody in the scripture would have been quiet and we just would have listened to the stones, the rocks? Remember that part of the scripture, right? Where people are starting to proclaim and and the Pharisees are trying to say, keep them quiet. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Even these rocks would cry out. Because it sure seems like, not only in our scripture, but as Trey said, even throughout our experience, that, that we get in the way sometimes of, of what God wants to do. Like, I know what peace should be, and I can tell you exactly what peace is for you and for you, and it's going to look just like my vision of whatever. And yet I sort of picture God, it's not in Scripture, kind of doing one of these, like, ugh, you know, because it's so much bigger than whatever we're going to imagine. And we get confused, and we try to proclaim for God what this stuff's supposed to be, when instead our role is to listen. Dial it back. Remember, the last thing that we celebrate right before Lent begins is transfiguration. And if you remember in that moment when Jesus is transfigured before them, there's a voice from heaven who proclaims, this is my son, the beloved, in whom I'm well pleased. And remember what the tagline was? Come on, bonus points. God says, oh man, I failed. God says, listen to him. That's our instruction to listen to Jesus, perhaps even more than we talk. You know, this table tells a story too. Tables do that, right? As you, as you see them, they, they look inviting. It's a place that, that calls us to come and to, and to join in. There's things on the table and we're invited to take part. Yet our tables in life, sometimes we humans get in the way of the message the table itself is trying to proclaim. And we begin to draw lines about who's welcome at which table and when and what they're allowed to have and whatnot. And yet this table reminds us of God's unfailing message, which is that all are welcome. All are loved. All are accepted and embraced by God. Friends, that sounds an awful lot like peace to me. Wholeness, completeness, 
This in particular table, I think, tells the story in a beautiful way. And if you've never seen it up close, after service, come down and check it out. I love it. It's all these different colors of, of wood woven together into one thing, coming from all different directions as if they converge on this central point where we are reminded of God's unending love. Yeah, I like that. That feels a lot like peace. And so as we celebrate our communion this morning, know that truth. That no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, which direction, no matter what your life journey has looked like up to this point, you are welcome here. You are embraced here. You are accepted here. You are loved here by this congregation and more importantly by God. And so let us celebrate that peace together in this communion meal. Let us pray. Dear God, we give thanks to you through your Son, Jesus Christ, who is the way that leads to peace. He is the true word that brings salvation and the source to eternal life. Keep us faithful to you so that we may trust you in all things. Bless this bread and wine that we are about to receive in remembrance of the body and the blood of your Son. Give us open hearts and obedient spirits. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friends, we remember and we give thanks that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his friends and said, take and eat. This is my body. It's given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took a cup and after giving thanks, he said, drink of this, all of you. This is the cup of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Do so as often as you drink of it in remembrance me. Friends, all are welcome uh, at this table. Come and, and be filled by the grace of God.
One of the ways that we think about peace is the completeness or wholeness that we know uh, through God. And yet, as we look upon our life and our community and our world, we know that there are lots of things and factors that, that disrupt that wholeness for a great number of people around us. But that's part of what our tithes and offerings are, are there to do, is to, is to fund ministries that's, that, that make God's love known in tangible ways, to try to bring about that wholeness or completeness into the lives uh, of, of our church family, of the community, and the world. So this morning, as we share in our tithes and offerings, may we do so in that spirit, uh, that we are trying to bring God's peace uh, into the world uh, in, in, in whatever way that we can. Absolutely. I thought it was beautiful. <laughs> Never be shy showing your appreciation for, for art that's given to us. Thank you, Heidi, always. And it's the right part of the service, too, because this is our opportunity to respond to, to all that we've learned and experienced and, and felt together. So perhaps today is the day that, that you make a profession of faith for the first time and that commitment of, hey, I want to model my life after Jesus. What I see in those stories are compelling, and, and that's the kind of life I want to lead. Or perhaps it's different. Perhaps it's I've made a profession of faith before, but this congregation seems to be a place where I can live out my faith more fully, and, and you want to unite with us by transfer of membership. In either case, we would rejoice uh, with, with that happening and, and, and gladly join with you on your journey of faith. But in whatever way that the Spirit may lead you, we pray that you will respond as we stand and we sing our hymn of invitation.
blessed and meaningful week. And until we meet again next Sunday, I send you out now uh, with this benediction. May you go forth and live freely and fully, uh, leaving all your worries, your fears, your troubles behind. And take in their place faith and hope and love. For these are the things that make for peace. Amen. Go in peace. Thank you.